Welcome to Mysterium Simei, a podcast devoted to documenting encounters, speaking with witnesses and researchers, and exploring the worldwide phenomena of the mysterious ape. Let's begin. My encounter began on a warm summer's night in 1985 after I went to go see Brian Adams with my best friend at Cal Expo outside Sacramento. I was 23 years old and had just finished college and was going to work at one of the major ski runs up in Tahoe that season with my friend. My friend Kathy and I had gone to Texas A&M and we both decided to work the slopes as instructors for the coming season and see then what life had in store. We were carefree, fun-loving, and had no idea that this night would change everything. Kathy and I were staying about an hour and a half north of Sacramento in Volcanoville at our family cabin. My father worked the last 10 years of his career at the Boeing plant in Washington and bought this cabin in 77 as a retirement getaway. It was classic pioneer chic with knotty pine everything, walls, ceilings, cabinets, everything. As a kid, I enjoyed it somewhat, but never really looked forward to going. But it was close to Tahoe, and we always managed to go to the lake to go boating or swimming, which was fun, and if conditions were right, go skiing. We never once heard any stories of Bigfoot or things of that nature. Just to show you what I mean, when my girlfriend Kathy and I arrived in June of that year to stay for the summer, There had just recently been a bust of someone growing pot on their property, and that was all the excitement this community could handle. If there had been stories of Bigfoot, we would have certainly heard it through the local gossip mill. Stories of lost miners' gold and such are really what is told around the area and is what Volcanoville is known for. We left the concert and went to a friend's house nearby for an hour before making the trek back. The drive is wonderful, but does become tedious past Georgetown. In the nighttime, you are apt to see plenty of deer, fox, and a few times in my life, I have seen black bear. It is truly in the sticks, but thus is its charm, and that night drive through the back roads were no different than any I had made a million times before. As we approached the dirt road that our cabin was on, I noticed that the small dogwood tree my mother had planted four years before had been completely broken half and was almost completely covering the driveway. We stopped there, engine running, just assessing the break. It wasn't a huge tree, not at all, but it was about 15 foot high and certainly thick enough that something with strength would have had to have done this. It was a typical northern California night in the summer with no rain or wind. It was definitely an animal, a bear for sure. We pulled in front of the door and ran into the cabinet and locked the doors. We began to unwind from the long day and exhaustion forced us to just sleeping on the couches in the living room. At around three in the morning, we were awoken by what sounded like a gunshot and the floors reverberating. We both jolted up and looked at each other. What was that? 
I immediately went to the front window and opened the curtains to look out. The porch light was on, and my old Honda was sitting right where it always was. There was no movement, no activity. I was walking towards the back bedroom when the thunderous clap came again. This time it was obvious that something was being thrown at the outside back wall. I went to the back bedroom and looked out the window. We didn't have a backlight, but the front house light cast into part of the backyard and I scanned up and down. Nothing. Kathy and I sat on the bed for an hour scanning the backyard through the window to no avail. The adrenaline began to wear and we decided to check the locks and go back to sleep on the couches. The next morning we got up and went out back to see what happened. There were no logs or stones, but there were mud smears on the far end of the house near the breaker box. I called my father and told him what happened. He surmised that a black bear was possibly investigating the breaker box and was being territorial. He tied that into the tree being broken in half somewhat up the trunk as well. That thought alone was a little unsettling, but when you stay in this area, that actually is something you have to live with. I wasn't too concerned as my experience with black bears had them running away at full speed the moment a human or a car came around. We continued our day running small errands, cutting the broken dogwood, and dragging it to the fence. We then headed to Auburn for wings and beer. Our trip back was uneventful, as was our evening watching a movie on the couches, which had become our de facto beds. But the next morning was just as alarming as the night before. I parked my old Honda Accord in front of the house, religiously in front of the door and I mean 10 feet away. When I went into the kitchen to make coffee that morning, I looked out the window and my car had been turned almost 90 degrees. I sat there, stunned, and I thought to myself, what the hell is going on? I woke Kathy up and we went outside to look. I opened the door and looked in. I thought that someone must have tried to steal the car and was trying to roll it away. I checked the steering wheel and it was locked. I came over to the right side and could see that the tires had left staggering drag marks on the ground. Something had pushed the car at the front and turned it. We were now convinced it was a bear, but we had heard nothing during the night. We looked for prints, but the gravel was hard and there were just drag marks and scuffing. Concern was beginning to creep in. I called my father again, and he agreed that it might be time to inform the authorities of a bear present. He said he would get information and contact me tomorrow. I think I also mentally noted that the forest around us was quiet, but again, not even thinking of Bigfoot, this didn't make a huge impression on me. We spent the rest of the afternoon a little uneased until the evening when we decided to go out and eat again to get our minds off the strange happenings at the cabin. We could have never known what was awaiting us upon our return. After eating, we drove back to the cabin without issue. As we turned into the driveway, Kathy excitedly asked, who is that? Our driveway is about the length of two basketball courts and just outside the headlight shine, we saw a figure 
just standing there in front of the cabin. I could see the cabin in the porch light backlit this figure so we could see someone standing upright, really tall and slender, like a basketball player. I slowly edged forward and the figure came into view. At first, it looked like a tall person wearing a brown raincoat and slickers as the headlight shined on its surface. As we slowly inched forward, you could see it was an oiliest sheen of hair on the body, all over the body. When we were about 50 feet away, the figure began raising its long arms like it was doing the wave, like you would see in the stadiums that they do at sports games. As a matter of fact, and this will sound somewhat derogatory, but the face of this figure did look somewhat Hispanic or Asian. It had matted hair on top and it was waving its arms up and down furiously. The face actually was human looking. The skin was brown and the eyes were either slanted or it was squinting at the headlight shine. Our windows were open and this thing just stood there continuing to wave its arms up and down. It was obviously agitated. It wasn't super huge or muscular, but it was tall. I did notice breasts and nipples on this figure. And here's the weird thing. It was making pig snarls and snorts. It was almost humorous, but they were really loud. And it was obvious again that this thing was really agitated. This figure was not super huge or muscular, but it was tall. My father is around 6'2", and it was easily taller than he was. As we sat there and fear was beginning to take a hold, this creature stepped over and picked a rock up about the size of a baseball and took a couple of steps forward and did an old-timey underhand throw like you see fast-pitch softball pitchers make and threw a rock right at us. Again, we were 50 feet away from this thing and the rock came hurling as fast as you can believe and hit my car right in the front grill. Well, that was it. We began screaming and I put the stick shift in reverse and I tore back down the driveway, skidded into the road and I took off. Kathy and I were beside ourselves in fear. We drove as fast as we could to the small fire department down the road. To our dismay, there was no one there. I believe at that time it was a volunteer fire department, so it's not surprising. So we continued down the road to a local campground that had a payphone and we called the police. The sheriff arrived 20 minutes later and we relayed to him what had just happened. We still were not even thinking this was a Bigfoot as this figure had such a human-like face. But as we described the situation and what we saw, the sheriff remarked, sounded like a Bigfoot sighting to me. He followed us back to our cabin and down the driveway. We showed him where the creature had stood. We showed him the dent in the front grill, and we looked for prints or anything that might have indicated what we had seen. The sheriff took a report and told us it was probably kids playing a joke to scare us. Word may have gotten around that two young women were staying here and that we were being set up with a prank. He looked around the house and in the tree line, but to no avail. We talked more and agreed that we would not be staying here for the night again. We packed our stuff quickly, turned everything off, and locked up. 
We all left, and Kathy and I drove back down to Sacramento to stay with our friend, of which we did for the next two weeks until we went to Tahoe to start work. After all that had happened, my father was in agreement with the sheriff. Two impressionable young women out in the wilderness, so to speak, were fair game to pranks and hoaxes. But Kathy and I were resolute. That winter, we spoke of our encounter to other instructors, and we heard many tales of Sasquatch around the Tahoe area. We were both convinced from then on our encounter was genuine. I did not go back to the cabin until the mid-90s. My mother had passed away, and my father was moving back to Lubbock, Texas to live out the rest of his retirement. We met the sales agent, and I walked through the property and remembered that strange event that had happened so many years ago. I won't say it dominated my life, but outdoor activities such as camping and hiking are always done with some trepidation to this day. So wow, what a wonderful encounter story. This was the last of the three that I have collected. So at this point on, I'm out of stories uh, from my own sort of personal catalog. So I encourage you to please send me any encounter story that you might have that I can share on this podcast. You can send them to mysteriumsimii at gmail.com. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this encounter story. I like it because so many times we hear sort of the typical Bigfoot encounter of a massive hulking beast, uh, but every now and then we hear one of a Sasquatch that doesn't quite fit the typical attributes of a Sasquatch, slender, uh, more humanish, and I think that this encounter story really exemplified that. Again, I want to let you all know that I really appreciate your support and I'm looking forward to more and more encounter stories to share and some of the round tables. Again, I'm going to be having Clinton Granberry of OK Talk. Uh, be on the lookout for that. And in the meantime, take care and remember, keep believing. <laughs>